Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Kenny Lawler, receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as they gear up for their game in Hamilton on Friday. Also, the MJHL report heads to Wayway Capo. The Wolverines are in first place. I know it's early, but this is a team that started its franchise 20 years ago and hasn't had a lot of success. So could they be the big breakout story of the season? We'll talk to their head coach and general manager. And finally, how Dodgeball is looking to make a difference to help the less fortunate. That's all on the podcast. We gear up for the Bombers game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats coming up. 7.30 p.m. Friday. So we're joined by Kenny Lawler, receiver for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, to talk about the game. Kenny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on your uh, talk show. So, Kenny, uh, just let's start with the Montreal game to get it out of the way. What was the mood in the locker room like after a loss like that? Uh, you know, uh, in the locker room, we were just real frustrated, especially, uh, you know, letting them come back from uh, such a uh, big lead. Um, but... Um, yeah, uh, people were frustrated, mad, you know. Uh, obviously, we were disappointed in ourselves, but, uh, yeah, that's all I can say about that. So how do you channel that frustration and turn it into positive energy for this week's game? You know, we just go out, use that uh, use that game to just work harder, you know, be in the film, be in the film room longer, just, just, you know, just basically just apply that to our uh, routine just to add uh, – there's extra motivation just to, you know, just to achieve a win, just to go out there and just give it to them. And, uh, man, you know, that's how we're going to uh, channel that energy. So Hamilton is a team that you've played once already this season. They handed you probably the most decisive loss that you've had. So what can you learn from that game that was, you know, two months ago now? What can you learn from that? Um, I think one big thing um, that we can learn is this uh, – Man, uh, at the end of the game, if uh, you guys can tell, like, you know, we just wasn't a full speed team. We were, uh, we weren't uh, as conditioned. Uh, we had uh, definitely uh, opportunities to come back in the game, but uh, you know, just our uh, our cardio just wasn't uh, just wasn't up. It was a little bit hotter, but you know, that that shouldn't uh, really change the things. But I know just for me, and um, something that I know I'm gonna work on is just that, just having that win, and uh, really uh, just. Uh, putting it on them guys. Well, it's not going to be hot Friday night. It's going to be dipping into the single digits and we're getting into the part of the season where football changes so much because the temperature drops in the fall here. It's very unpredictable in Canada. How ready are you for the cold? I'm pretty ready. Uh, I got to spend a little uh, uh, end of the year uh, here last year uh, where I experienced some of that uh, temperature uh, drop. But, um, you know, I'm going to come down with my... Regular, my regular swag, no sleeves. Even if it's in, it could be negative. I'm still going to be out there, no sleeves, and uh, giving them all. And even though you're from California, you're okay with the cold? I'm okay with it, man. Bring it on. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so this season, has it gone pretty much as well for you personally as you could have hoped? Uh uh, personally, yeah, like you know, I just um, I'm just playing my role, and I'm playing my role as just you know, as the team uh, needs me to. You know, I'm not trying to do too much. I'm not trying to do too little. You know, just when they call my number, I'm just I'm just here. You know, I know I sat down early in the season, but you know, like again, I was just playing my role, and um, 
everything is working out. You know, uh, like I said, if they call my number when they need me to uh, make a play, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to make a play, um, try to put our team in the best position to win, and uh, that's what that's what I'm here to do. Do you have the ball from your first touchdown catch? I have the second one. Okay. I wanted to. I, I should have kept it, but it was my first touchdown uh, touchdown catch coming in that fashion. It was just I forgot all about the ball. <laughs> I, but you would have figured someone else would have been looking out for that ball. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I thought so too. But you know, it's a ball. You know, I kept the second one, and uh, second one uh, means a lot to me just as much as the first one. Nice. All right. So how would you describe your receiving core with Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, how would I describe it? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky question because we got all types of receivers. Um, we got receivers that's going to stretch the field. We got receivers that's going to uh, be possessive receivers. And, you know, we got receivers that just do it all. We got receivers that block. We just, we got just so many different types of guys that, uh do a lot of different things that way really just makes our receiver room very unique. Um, I feel like, you know, um, we're uh, a balanced room just with just uh, all different types of receivers that uh, just, yeah, that can uh, do many things. And I couldn't really put a word on it to describe our receiver core. I'd say very unique. Um, but like, um, yeah, you you seen it. We got Lucky, we got Darvin, we got me, we got Wally, we got Damp, and you know, just watching the games and you know, um, just looking at our receivers and the plays that we make, you can just you can just see that we're just really just we're dogs out there. We we're dogs. We are, we're gonna get it any type of way, and uh, that's the word I'll use. Is we're dogs. We do it all. We block. We do the dirty work, and we make the big plays. We make the right plays and. That's what we are. Were you aware that Darvin Adams could drop it in on a dime to Andrew Harris like that we saw in Montreal? Mm-hmm. I knew my dog could do that, man. Yeah, um, my man, we you know, we practice these things and we just don't go out there and and just, you know, just say, Okay, we're gonna do a trick play and without any practice. Like we've seen Darvin's arm, we know he's capable of. Like me and Darvin we'd be playing catch and like in practice and I know he he got a good arm, you know, when the call was made, you know, I knew he was going to go out there and execute it. Shout out my man, D.A. Would you ever be called upon to throw a pass in a game? No, there's probably going to have to be an open tryout with the uh, with the receivers. But, you know, I think, I think I'm think i confident in my arm to, you know, win the tryout, then, you know, take it into the game and uh, execute that. <laughs> well, Kenny, I appreciate your time tonight and good luck Friday night. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me once again. And we will stick with the Manitoba Junior Hockey League as it's less than a week old, but making ways already the Wayway Capo Wolverines. Why? Well, the franchise that played its first game ever 20 years ago tonight. But hasn't enjoyed a lot of success in those 20 years. But after making the playoffs last year, losing in round one to Portage, hopes are high as the Wolverines are in first place. Off to a 3-0 and start, and joining me now is the head coach and general manager of the Wolverines, Taylor Harnett. And Taylor, how does it feel to be undefeated so far? It feels great. It's, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you know, you accept any win and, and uh, you know, you, 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 that's what you plan for, that's what you practice for. So, you know, I don't think anybody can ever 
predict the outcome of, of any start to the season, let alone the game. So we're, we'll definitely take it. What were the expectations for this team? I know it's only three games in, but just take me back to maybe a week or so ago. What were the expectations heading into the season for your club? Well, um, you know, uh, we, you know, we, we speak as a group, um, you know, and we, we talk about uh, team goals and uh, we're, it's not fair to, you know, to really get into that just yet because we're still, you know, we're still kind of, kind of getting to know what, what our, you know, our identity is and, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we know what we were able to accomplish last season, um, but I guess we've got a, you know, we've got a different makeup. We, you know, we had quite a few um, players uh, graduate, and 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 of course we we got new players that um, have stepped in and 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 filled those those roles. And so it's, it, you know, I think we kind of set the bar last year with, you know, with. Um, playing meaningful games in March, uh, you know, a first playoff round against the, you know, eventual um, MJHL champions and a bit cup champions. So, you know, we, we know what, um, you know, where we want to be at every season. I think we should, we should be looking to play meaningful games in, in March and in April and, and so on. And so I think that just the, just that the new group knows that, you know, we left off. Um, you know, our last game that we played last year was playoff hockey. So, we want to make sure that we do that. Where, you know, as far as you know, we go. With, I mean, we'll have to talk about that after Christmas. But we want to build on each game, and uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're improving every day. So, um, you know, that's where we're at right now. Well, a couple of years ago, you took over a, a franchise with very little playoff success one playoff series victory in the franchise's history and that was a best of three series in 2015 so how important is it to kind of make incremental increases not go for the home run right away and expect to finish first but to gradually build on the success of what you had last season well it's important um you know i I think that you know i think that any team um, that has success, you know, they deal with adversity throughout the season. And that's how you deal with that adversity. Uh, comes in different forms. It, it can, it can happen during a game. It can, it can happen off ice. It can happen with anything, injuries, whatever, you know, and, and I think that's one of the biggest, um, things that we saw last year was we, we dealt with, 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 uh, many different forms of adversity last year and we were able to work our way through it. Um, and then when February hit and, and we were, you know, we were was still battling for that, you know, that final playoff spot, it really helped us um, go on a bit of a streak. And, uh, you know, so I think, you know, I think that, um, you know, any type of um, success that this team had prior to me being here, um, you know, it's unfair for me to, to even get into that because I, you know, I wasn't here. I, I wasn't in the province. All I know is, you know, that that um, you know, a couple of years ago when when you know when I took over, um, you know, I knew it had to be some changes on and off the ice. Just you know, just you know, and I mean, when you when anybody takes over a new position, they want to see things done differently, and and you want things to be done. You know, you want you want to be moving in the right direction, and um, everybody's got a different opinion and a different view of what that is. And I, you know, myself had a vision that we needed to put some people in the right place, and 
and um, you know, it started from from coaching staff, and then it moved on to scouting, and it moved on to trainers, and everything, personnel on on and off the ice, and you know, so we put a you know what we felt was a good good team away from the rink together, and and then we had to formulate you know what we thought was going to be a winning team, and 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 we were able to do that, and. Uh, you know, so I think that you know anybody that's in the position of coach and general manager, junior hockey, you know your your job is to to win hockey games, but it's also to develop and try and build on a you know build a you know a winning culture and 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 build the right culture. And uh, you know we were able to put some of those pieces together last year, and now we got to continuously build on that. And uh, you know I think it's important that people. You know, if if they're in a position to make a decision on where they want to play, if you know, if 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 we uh, if we're interested in you, we want to make sure that this is a place that they desire to play for. And uh, I think that talking any 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 of our Wolverines, you know, past and present, will tell you that you know this is this is a place where we want to breed success and breed development and 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 help move our players on to post secondary, and we want to really pride ourselves on that. So. You know, we're really happy and we're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish here in, you know, just a little over a year. But, you know, our job's not finished. Players and coaches and, you know, and staff, we're, we're looking to continue and we want to bring a championship here. And and that's something that we need to talk about. We can't shy away from it. And, you know, I mean, every every junior team, it, you know, they should they should be able to brag about some sort of success. And we want to start that here. So it's... Uh, you know, it's 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 a tradition that um, you know last year was our 20th season. We're, on, we're this year we're we're moving on to 21, and and we want to just continue to have fun and win hockey games. And and uh, you know, you know, players got to know they're here for the what you know what they're here for, and and that's to have success develop. But they also got to play hard in front of the people that are paying to watch them play. It's actually 20 years ago tonight that the first ever game in Wayway Capo's Wolverines franchise <laughs> really? history was played. So, uh, what does this team mean to the community? Because it's not a big community, right? You know what? It's it's uh, it's not, but you know it's it's spread out pretty good. You you know you've got Wayway Capo, and then you've got several surrounding communities, um, and I don't want to miss any of them. So, <laughs> you know, you've got you've got Russell that's uh, fairly close in Ross, Ross Byrne and Shoal Lake and Vince Garth, and, you know, the list goes on. You've got a lot of support from all around. Um, this, this hockey team means a lot to this community. I know talking to people that, you know, were involved with this team many years ago, um, you know, the place was packed, and any playoff games that they played, you know, there was there was a real, you know, positive energy in the building, and and I think with you know with uh, you know the team not having the most success for a few years, I mean that goes away. It goes away with any sporting team. Um, you know, they they you know the the uh, some communities lose support based on you know team production, and it's our job as a coaching staff and on and off the ice to to try and do our best to generate that interest, but the passion's still there. Way we see Capital is very passionate about the Wolverines. Whenever, you know, they're they're able to boast that they've got themselves a junior A hockey team right here. And that's uh, something to be proud of. And um, very passionate group. And, uh, you know, I we continue to work every day to try and, 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 and get, 
anybody and, and everybody that we can who are able to attend our games to, to get them in the building and, and let them know that they're going to be entertained while they're here watching and, and hopefully walk away, you know, proud and, and happy with their performance. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what our goal is. Well, Taylor, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight and best of luck through the season here. Thank you very much for having me anytime. I am joined in studio by Amanda First, who is the founder of Growing Opportunities International. Amanda, thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. Explain to those who may not know what Growing Opportunities International is all about. We are a Winnipeg-based nonprofit that does community-based projects in East Africa, so mostly Tanzania, Rwanda, and Kenya. And we partner with people in rural communities who have a vision or something they want to do to help their community, and we just work with them to make it happen. So we kind of help bring their dreams to life so they can help others in their community. And when did this start? It's been about 10 years. I was volunteering with other organizations in Rwanda and Tanzania and then kind of saw what could happen with a little bit of effort and a little bit of money, and that was what really got everything going for Go. Nice. And so what kind of work has been done through Go in the decade or so that it's been around? We started with a nursery school in Rwanda, so we partnered with a nursery school teacher who was teaching 80 kids on her front porch. Okay. She was doing it all voluntarily, was really having a huge impact in the community, but we kind of sat down with her and said, how can we how can we help you help others? And so we ended up building two classrooms using all local nice. workers and kind of grew from there. We have play structures, we have a breakfast program that led into a project in Tanzania where we have an after-school sports and education program. Um, we've supported a school in Kenya with some repairs for their elementary school and there we go. So how do you raise money for Go? Uh, we do everything we can. We do all of our own fundraisers here. Our biggest one is an annual dodgeball tournament. Yes, and that's why you're here. You're wearing the National Dodgeball Championship sweater from the 2019 championship in Charlottetown. Yes. So how many people do you get involved in this? Because it is, as you call it, an epic it is dodgeball epic. tournament. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we have 39 teams this oh year. Oh my gosh. So this is the fifth one, but the third of the epic dodgeball okay. variety. So we had some smaller ones at the start, but this is the third year of epic dodgeball. Um, we get 39 teams every year. We have people coming from Minneapolis. We oh, wow. have Edmonton, Calgary. I'll try to get all the locations. Edmonton, Edmonton, Calgary, Regina, some BC people coming out. We have some Toronto people coming out. And as far as Dallas. Wow, that's impressive. Last year, we had someone from Australia. And this is all for a good cause. All for a great cause. So all the money raised goes right into our projects. Nice. And so I guess, why did you decide for the first dodgeball tournament to use this sport as an opportunity to be a fundraiser? I, I personally love dodgeball. Um, been playing for quite a few years and just have a lot of fun with it. But also the community is fantastic. The community of dodgeball is here in Winnipeg is really close-knit, a lot of friends amongst the communities, and they're really supportive of any initiatives, and they love a chance to play dodgeball. So it was the perfect combo to get people to come out and support a good cause while doing something they love. So is this epic tournament one of the biggest tournaments in Canada? Um, I would say so. The Westerns, in Western Canada, we had Westerns a few months ago and it was quite large. So they may have surpassed us, but as far as charity tournaments in Western Canada, oh, yeah. definitely the largest. I mean, that's a major sanctioned event. This is, that's for, right. This is to raise money for projects in Africa. So what, how long have you been playing dodgeball? I can't remember exactly, but I think I started playing just as a social thing in 2010. Okay. And then off and on, yep, since then, started kind of more competitively in 2016. And what initially drew you in? 
I think it just started as something to do, just something else to try. I've played lots of sports, rugby, ultimate, ringette, volleyball, everything else. And this was just one more on the radar to try out and fell in love with it. Any initial hurdles? Learning curve? A little bit, but it incorporates a lot of the skills from other sports. And everybody probably has some experience playing dodgeball in school. So it's an easy transition and just a lot of fun. Really great people in the community. You better really fun. Better thrower or catcher? (laughs) Dodger, maybe. Dodger, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll say dodging. Okay. Yeah. Everyone's got their own skill set, right? That's right. So tell me about your experience at Nationals this year. Nationals was fantastic. I was captain of the women's B team out of Manitoba. We are called Prairie Fire. And we took home a bronze. Nice. The first women's team out of Manitoba to get a medal. Um, and I think the second team in Canada other than Ontario, who usually cleans up at it. Right. So, Silly yeah, Ontario. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a great accomplishment for Manitoba. And how cool was that to be in PEI playing dodgeball? Amazing. Yeah. I've traveled a little bit for dodgeball. We were in Singapore. My friend and I were in Singapore two years ago. And then we played in a tournament in Bali as well. So, so. you've seen then how dodgeball has certainly grown in popularity across the planet. Yeah, it's huge, and it just keeps growing. People try it for a little bit, fall in love with it, and then can't get enough of it. I know the the Dodgeball movie came out, what, like 16 years ago now? Yeah, I think at least. And I think for a lot of people, it's a gym class sport, but beyond that, they don't really think about it. I think now, definitely, that's changing. I think so, and it's getting publicity, and it's really developing as kind of, we'll say, a legitimate sport. It has nationals, it has worlds. Mm -hmm. The worlds are happening in Cancun at the end of November. And it's, yeah, getting the legitimate side of it. It's huge in Europe, huge in Asia. So, yeah, I think in the next 10 years, we'll see a huge. And how does Canada stack up internationally? Fantastic. They've always done really well in Worlds. Yeah, they're definitely, like, among the top teams in the world. Good. Now, how do we get Manitobans into the World Championship? They're already there. Okay. Yeah, we've had, I believe, Guilain Sanfilippo has already played in two World Championships. This year, we had four people make the squad. Nice. So the Team Canada squad, and then they had further tryouts and whatnot. And then Judy, Julie McLaren, sorry, Julie, um, has made Team Canada. So she will be competing in Cancun. And it's important to, to remind people, just because you're a team from Ontario that wins nationals doesn't mean your team is Team Canada like it is in most other sports. Right. So there's a selection process. So you go to nationals, play your tournament, and then there's selection happening. So they're watching you play, and then they put a team together. Right. Have you ever played dodgeball in Africa? Yes. So there's actually dodgeball in Tanzania now. The okay. last time I was there last year, um, brought a bunch of balls over, worked with our the leader of our after-school sports program in Tanzania, and they have fallen in love with it. There's actually a traditional dodgeball game in Tanzania, and it's a girls' sport. Okay. So the boys don't tend to play it. It's the girls, and it's a modified version of dodgeball, but... It's already part of their culture, so it was an easy transition. And we had nine schools come out for a mini tournament, and now there are well over 25 schools playing dodgeball. So, yes. That's great. So this epic tournament, where is it? And if people want to go watch, can they? Absolutely. We're at Garden City Collegiate. So it's, sorry, Friday night is at Maples Collegiate. Saturday all day from 9.15 in the morning until 9.30 at night. All day dodgeball. All day dodgeball. We are at Garden City Collegiate, which is on Jefferson. Everybody is welcome to come down and watch. No charge or anything. And it's a great setup. There's a big, nice foyer with huge windows. So you don't have to be inside the gym where you might risk being hit off of by a dodgeball. <laughs> you can sit behind the windows 
and take it all in and just see what the sport is about. If anyone's interested in maybe getting into playing, there's two great leagues in the city. There's Winnipeg Rec League and Dodgeball Winnipeg. So if you want to see what it looks like, you can view it from behind the glass and decide if you want to be on the court. And if people want to learn more about uh, growing opportunities? Mm-hmm. www.growingopportunities.org. All right. I appreciate your time coming in tonight, Amanda, and uh, best of luck at the tournament. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's Amanda First, founder of Growing Opportunities International, the Repic Dodgeball Tournament, as you heard, coming up at Maples and Garden City. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?